Good morning. Morning if you're in the room, if you're online, still in bed, good to see you. <laughs> Let me tell you, it is the perfect day to be at home rugged up. It's, it's wet, it's cold, it's the middle of winter, um, but it's great to be with everyone, whether you're still at home or in the room, it's, um, it's good to be here looking at, uh, looking at freedom. Freedom, huh? You know, I think God values freedom far more than we're probably willing to recognize. And freedom, it sounds nice, it's this thing that we all want, but in reality, freedom is so hard to live out. You know, freedom, it's hard to manage. In freedom, people make bad choices. But what you do with that freedom is what's significant. You know those people that are just too free, that they're just a little confronting, you know? There's people that are just kind of living too freely. I remember a time I was invited to, uh, to go lead worship over at this church on the beaches. They were doing this thing called a burn, which is a, uh, it's a six or seven, sometimes longer, hours worth of worship. Um, anyway, I was invited to lead a uh, one-hour slot in the middle. Um, I was the acoustic set, so I got up there by myself and I was kind of just leading this nice, intimate, still moment of worship. Anyway, who knows what a shofar is? Yeah, so it, it's something that they use throughout the Bible. It's, it's a ram's horn, and they use it um, as, as a weapon of warfare. They, they ring it, and they, they blow this trumpet, the ram's horn, and, and it's like a symbol and a sign of victory and freedom. So here I was leading worship in this like nice, intimate, acoustic, like just kind of mellow, prayerful atmosphere. And out of nowhere, this guy pulls out a ram's horn, <laughs> blows it at the top of his lungs. And I remember like almost laughing, <laughs> like seeing this and hearing this and going, what is going on? You know, freedom, it's confronting. Freedom, it kind of shocks us. But, you know, I think God values freedom far more than we're, than we're ready to, to recognize. You know, if we go right back to Genesis, to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and the creation of the world, we look at the Garden of Eden. You know, God actually leaves in the garden the presence of a bad decision. That tree, the knowledge of good and evil. This is his perfect creation we're talking about, the Garden of Eden. And God actually leaves the presence of a bad choice in that garden. Because I think he values our freedom more than us just doing the right thing all the time. You know, God isn't after robots. He isn't after people that just tick off a list of things. But he's after people. He's after lovers. He's after people with hearts that choose to love him. You know, any relationship that loses that choice, it's not really a relationship at all, right? Any relationship, you can look at any relationship, your spouse, a friend, your kids. If, if all that's there is duty, if all that's there is ticking boxes, it's not really a relationship worth fighting for. And I think God, in that freedom, he wants us to choose to love him, to choose to come to him. Let's open up to our John chapter 4, um, if you've got your Bibles or your phones, um, looking at verse 23. It's one of the classic uh, passages on worship. It's with uh, Jesus at the, at the well, with the Samaritan woman. 
Verse 23, it says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Worshippers that worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Where am I going with this? So we've got worshippers that worship in spirit and in truth. If we were to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, yeah, liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. So God's looking for worshippers that will worship in the spirit, in freedom, and truth. What does it say? The truth will set us free. So God is looking for worshippers that will worship in the spirit, in freedom, and in truth, in freedom. It's almost like he's trying to emphasize something here. That God values our freedom far more than we're willing to recognize. And I think one of the true marks of a worshipping people is freedom. Is a people that know how to live and operate in freedom in that scary place where we're able to disagree, in that scary place where grace wins every time, where people make mistakes. In that video, it, it made a great point that what we think of in our world as freedom, it, we think of it as no restraints and no boundaries, but I want to suggest that freedom, that true freedom in Christ is more to do with our identity. When we know who we are in Christ, we will live from that place. You see, God came to set us free, to set us free from the old way of thinking, to set us free from that slavery, from the, from the fear, from the anxiety. And, you know, I think for so long the church has been kind of stuck being self-conscious, being fearful, being anxious. And God today, again, wants to set us free from all of that stuff, to remind us of our true identity, to live from that place. Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. You know, that's our mission. That's our call as the people of God. But you know, if we're not free, if we're not truly free in our identity as God's sons and daughters, how will we ever be able to set someone else free? How will we ever be able to speak identity and truth into our neighbor, into the person next to us? if we haven't received that true freedom for ourselves. So why is this a Baptist thing? Yes, it's a, kim a kingdom thing, but why is this a Baptist thing? Well, one of our Baptist forefathers, his name was mentioned in that video, Thomas Helwes, lived in uh, the early 1600s. He was actually one of the first um, Protestant um, pastors to actually fight for true religious freedom to fight for a separation of church and state, where the church was no longer controlled and governed by the, the king in power, where this 
where this guy was actually, he actually wrote a paper that fought for the freedom and the separation of church and state, where the church could, could live in its freedom. You know, I love that that's a part of the Baptist heritage. I love that that is a part of, of where we came from, of who we are as Baptists. Because it says that we value freedom and that everyone gets a voice. You know the difference between unity and uniformity? Uniformity is where everyone looks the same, everyone talks the same, everyone thinks the same. But you know, I think the gift of unity is diversity. One of the things I love about the Baptist church is that everyone gets a voice. Sometimes it's scary. Yeah. Is it painful? Yeah. But God, his kingdom, is a kingdom of diversity. It's a place where people should look different, where people should think different. And I think God this morning wants to remind us that that's something worth celebrating, not, not something worth trying to um, diminish. You know, if you think about a forest, we could go over to like Cumberland State Forest, just over in Castle Hill, West Pennant Hills. It's, it's the difference between all the trees that makes the beauty of the forest. If every tree was the same species, if every tree was the same height, the same age, it wouldn't look like the beauty of the forest. And that's what I think the church should look like. We should each look different, think different. And it's when we come together and gather together in love that that, that forest image comes forth. So what does this mean for us today? John 3:17 says, "For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him." You know, one of the things that I think sadly the church is known for is for condemning. It's for judging, it's for for making statements and um, just kind of putting barriers up with the world. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn, but he sent his son to save. And you know, there's a world outside of us, there's people inside this room like that don't need condemning, but need saving. Galatians 5 verse 13 says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. I want to give us two final keys to finish on. Serve one another humbly and in love. You know, humility is such a gift, and we see it in the life of Jesus, but it's that ability to get low. It's that ability to, to be okay with being wrong, to be teachable. You know, one of the, the keys, I think, of living in freedom in community is to come to every conversation, to come to every relationship in humility. To go, yeah, sure, I've heard this, I think this, I value this, but I'm willing to get low. I'm willing to learn from you. I'm willing to be taught to change, to disagree. 
because as, as Josh so, so perfectly pointed out in that kid's story, our value in God doesn't change. Whether we're right, whether we're wrong, whether someone agrees with us or disagrees with us, our value in heaven doesn't change to him. So serve one another humbly and in love. You know, I think there's two primary motivators uh, in earth and in life. It's love or it's fear. And I think subconsciously every action, every choice we make, it, it's actually out of a place of either love or fear. You know what fear's primary concern is? How can I control that? It's not always a bad thing. You know, if your kid's at the zoo and, and kind of gets too close to an animal, fear, cool, you grab your kid. That's a great idea. But you know, I think too often we kind of, we use that mechanism of fear and we react all the time and we go, how can I control that situation? How can I control this person? But you know what love does? Love sets a person free. Love says, I value you for who you are. Love says, this is how God sees you. So be free. Make mistakes. Get it wrong. We'll pick up the pieces later. All fear wants to do is control. What fear does is it squashes a person, it squashes a scenario to the smallest place so that we can control it. Fear says, if I can't control you, then I'm, I've lost. But love says, I will give to you so that you can be free. So that you can flourish in your identity in him. You know, there are so many people in our lives that need freedom. Especially at the moment. There are so many people in lockdown that are, that are struggling. There are so many people that are living in fear, that are living in um, insecurity and isolation and, and struggling. And what God wants to do through each of us is set these people free. God wants to bring his love and his grace and go, I love you. That's not the right way to live. In constant fear all the time. And the final verse I want to share with this is from Matthew 10. It says, freely you have received, so freely give. You know, everything we've received from him isn't supposed to be kept to ourselves. But it's supposed to be shared with the people, with the world, with the situations and places around us. Why don't we stand and I'll pray. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that we're no longer slaves to the world, but we're, we're called your children. And God, I pray that we wouldn't take that for granted um, any moment of our lives. And so God, I pray over each one of us, just that, that phrase from Matthew 10, freely we have received, freely give. You give us eyes to see and ears to hear um, what it is that you're doing, the people that you're wanting us to, to speak with and minister to.
to bring freedom to the captives, sight to the blind, and liberty to all around us. In Jesus' name, amen.